You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Live from Hampton Roads in the heart of the 757, it's the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Out of the shotgun from the 42-yard line. Backs up to the 30. Steps up in the pocket. Pumps. Now he runs. Tucks to the 50. To the other 45. To the 40. He's in field goal range immediately with a big run of 28 yards. Tim Donnelly Show. Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. That was kind of the last box to check for C.J. Stroud. Is he mobile? ESPN broadcast there, a little 28-yard run. Here's here's the uh, here's the way I describe C.J. Stroud. And by the way, this is quarterback day or quarterback week, rookie day here on the Tim Donnelly Show. We're talking about the, the rookies, the flash and sizzle in the NFL draft. We're asking you, where do you think they end up right now? Where does C.J. Stroud go? Where does C.J. Stroud end up playing his NFL football? 757 687 9494. That's the call in line and the text line. 757 687 9494. Speaking of the call in line, we have a winner, yes? All right. Yes. The tickets have been given away. uh, So you you don't have to keep calling in for the jelly roll tickets. We do have more giveaways coming up, though. So keep your dialing fingers ready. In the meantime, only dial if you want to talk where CJ Stroud's going to go. Now, the four that we're talking about are Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. Or. Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Bryce Young. Like, the order is is up to you. If you put Stroud at the top of your draft board, I will not try to talk you out of it. What I will, and what you should probably acknowledge, is that you're just risk-adverse. You're risk-averse. You just want high-floor, solid play, right? You're looking for, uh, checked all the boxes, right? They, they Everything is there. C.J. Stroud is 6'3", 215, 220 pounds, prototypical size. C.J. Stroud threw for 85 touchdowns against 12 interceptions in his two years as a starter, right? There it is, big-time performance. How'd he do in big-time games? That was a question, but played very, very well in their college football playoff semifinal loss, so he does have a history of playing well in big games. He does run the ball more now, so if you're saying, hey, we need a modern quarterback that can get get a little jiggy with, with his legs outside the pocket, all right, he can do that as well. Check, 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 all the boxes checked, good to go, let's roll. I'm not going to hold that against you, right? I'm not going to look at you and say, you have to take a chance to to go for something special. If if you just want boring, just go get boring. And I'm not saying he's boring, but I'm saying he doesn't have the pop of the others. Uh, let's hear from Mel Kuyper. He is uh, obviously ESPN's draft expert or one of them, maybe the OG. Uh, he was on Get Up and he said this. The fact of the matter is his size, the way he throws accurately to all levels, that Georgia game in particular stood out the way he could move around and beat a defense with his legs when he needed to. Uh, C.J. Stroud could end up being the first quarterback off the board. Certainly in Mach 1.0, I want to shake it up a bit. If you got three that are equal, you're getting all these opinions, I put Stroud as the top quarterback coming off the board. I do think that the NFL starts off kind of draft season looking for ceiling. 
And then as you get closer and closer to the draft, you get more and more towards, well, let's just be safe, right? It's, it's, it's very fun to think like, Hey, guess what? We're going to do this crazy thing. We're going to, we're going to draft the guy that doesn't have the production, but he has the tools and all this is going to be exciting. Then you get to the draft and you're like, well, do you think maybe we should take the guy that threw for 85 touchdowns and 12 interceptions and a tough conference and uh, had success in big games? Do you think, are we, are we over, you know, sizzling it? There's something there, right? C.J. Stroud, I do believe, lacks. I. It's the dumb thing that every analyst says, right? X factor, it, pop, right? I watch his film, or I, I go back and watch the clips, and and I see so much where I go, wow, it's good, wow, it's good, but I never just say wow, right? It's, wow, that's a nice throw. Wow, look at that. Wow, I didn't know he had that in him. Sometimes you watch these other guys and you just go, wow. And you stop because you're like, I did words, sentences, yup. It's like, it's just what he doesn't have much of that. Like there's there's very rarely no, 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 no. Yes. Right? Which is what some of these other guys bring. He's more often just, yep. Like, like it's it's why do we make up those stupid X factor. He's it. Oh, he's got poise. Oh, he's got the clutch gene. He's all these things that that don't really mean anything. But it's because the thing we're trying to describe is difficult to describe. C.J. Stroud is very, very, very good. He very, very, very rarely does something that I can't describe. He does a lot that I can describe. Like, oh my goodness, the footwork was perfect. Made the right read. The deep ball to this. Thumbs up. Right, it's 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 you can look at his eyes, looking the safety off, throwing it back here. Then you watch a Bryce Young tape, or you watch an Anthony Richardson tape, or you watch a Will Levis tape, or not even a tape. You just watch like the cutups that people put on social media to make you say like, "Look how crazy this guy is." And you watch it, and you go, "I don't think C.J. Stroud could do that." And in the NFL, at some point, you're going to have to do that, right? It, it it when you're at Ohio State, and you go from having Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, to having Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, Egg Bouquet, and, and you have all of these just super studs at, at and Travion Henderson, a Virginia guy, as your running back, and you know, right the the backup, backup, backup is a, is a superstar. If you just make good decisions, you're going to be great. In the NFL, occasionally, I don't care who you have, you're going to drop back, and everyone's going to be covered, and it's going to be well, make your money, young man, right? Go do something special. If and and I'm just talking about the guys that are making the money, right? The guys that are top draft picks. I'm never going to look at, uh, uh, you know, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, and say everything's going wrong. I want you to create. I'm going to say everything's going wrong. Fall down, right? Everything's going wrong. Throw it five rows in the stands. But where C.J. Stroud's going to be drafted, I'm not drafting you to say, hey, everything's going wrong. Throw it five rows into the stands. Right? I'm drafting you to say everything's going wrong. Give me a 27-yard completion, right? Everything's going wrong. Keep the play alive until your wide receiver can get open. And at this point in time, I am confident in C.J. Stroud in every situation other than that one. I know if you drop back, see a guy that's open, or if you drop back and the the blitz is picked up, he's going to be able to execute everything. And even if it's like, like, it doesn't have to go perfectly, right? If he can get to his third, fourth progression, 
right? This guy's covered, that guy's covered. This guy's open. He can do that. It's when it's when the the bleep hits the fan that I'm going, I don't know. And if I'm drafting someone number two overall, I want that to be a, well, I, I have a pretty good idea. He's He is high, high, high floor. Solid play. If, if you made me bet my life savings, and I don't know why anyone would make me bet my life savings on this, like which quarterback's going to be still in the league 10 years from now? C.J. Stroud. Then I'm not hesitating. C.J. Stroud. But if you make me bet who's going to be like a five-time All-Pro, maybe not, right? That's the difference. So what are you drafting for? Are you drafting for you want someone to be a, in the NFL for 10 years, or are you drafting someone that might be a five-time All-Pro? That's what you have to ask yourself. That's not a right or wrong answer. That's, that's a personal preference. Last thing I'll say, and this just is something that I can't get out of my head when I think about C.J. Stroud. Uh, when we were at Radio Row leading up to the Super Bowl out there in Phoenix, Stroud walked by, and I, I just watched him, and I went, I, what is he, he looks like he's walking goofy. And, and I had just watched Trey Lance walk upstairs, and I, I was very much uh, like studying his gait because I wanted to see if Trey Lance was, was favoring the ankle or anything. So I was like, all right, am I just being too weird about this? Then it hit me. C.J. Stroud, we learned it's duck-footed or slew-footed, according to texters. It's the opposite of pigeon-toed. Pigeon-toed or toes in, duck-footed or toes out. So he walks very duck-footed. I need to find. I need to talk to like a like a, a physical train, like a bio something, somebody that studies the human body and, and movements and 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 efficiency to find out if that's going to be a problem. And can you like can you fix that kind of thing? I'm sure you can. You can just tell him like just be your, more aware of it. Put your toes in and see. I how know. It. I know. When I, I did track back in high school, they tried to make sure your feet were your your toes straight were pointed ahead. straight. There was always some kind of a, like like playground legend that the pigeon toed people were faster. I don't know if that's true. Or it might have been started by pigeon toed kids just to be like, no, it actually makes me faster. Again, it's like playground recess legend on this one. But uh, but his CJ Stroud's feet go out. So if I were drafting, I would right like everything is an interview. Like walking into the interview, if I noticed that, I'd be like, all right, let's let's talk to some people. Let's find some experts on the subject. See if it matters. It might not matter, but let's see if it does. Where does CJ Stroud go? I think he's going to go very very near the top, probably Houston. Again, our, our our board has already said Derek Carr is going to Houston. Uh, my logical brain says that's probably not going to happen. I think it's probably number two to Houston. I think Bryce Young one, Stroud two, and then they'll be linked together forever and ever like Manning and Leaf, Mariota and Winston, uh, Luck and Griffin, all the way, all the way, all the way on down. Even like you know, Tua, Herbert, and Burrow, and they weren't even back-to-back. Or Herbert and Bur- uh, Tua were, but not 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 Burrow. Where do you think C.J. Stroud ends up? 757-687-9494. And would you want him on your favorite team? 757-687-9494. Todd Munkin, new offensive coordinator of the Ravens. He is going to fit right in. Do you know how I know? He's already lying to us about Lamar Jackson. Stick around. The Philip Rivers conundrum, the Darren McFadden effect, and the Ring of Honor complex. Don't worry, Tim will explain everything. The Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1.
Actually, a little bit later on, we're going to talk about how Will Levis is uh, getting the Darren McFadden effect in his favor. If that sounds like another language to you, we're just going to have to stick around and wait about 15 minutes till we explain it for you. In the meantime, uh, Todd Munkin, new offensive coordinator for the Ravens, leaves Georgia. About as good as you could leave Georgia. Right? I mean, back-to-back national champions. He he takes a former walk-on quarterback, turns him into a Heisman Trophy finalist, and uh, and then drops the mic and goes to the Ravens. He's going to fit right in. Right, right, right alongside John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta, uh, the head coach and GM of the Ravens, because he's already comfortable walking up to a podium and lying to us about Lamar Jackson's situation. Now, you might call it withholding some truth. You might call it being optimistic. You might call it trying to talk himself into something. I call it lying. Now, uh, the Lamar situation as it stands right now, there really hasn't been any movement for two years. Doesn't seem like there's going to be any movement anytime soon. Uh, Jameson Hensley Hensley was on uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. He covers the Ravens for ESPN. The Ravens and Lamar are going to be very interested if, let's just say, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, what if they get deals done this offseason? If they get the fully guaranteed deal, I think that really further backs Lamar's stance of saying, look, the top quarterbacks are getting fully guaranteed deals. If they choose and follow kind of the likes of a Kyler Murray, don't do fully guaranteed deals, I think that really supports the Ravens' stance. So basically, no movement, no movement. We don't expect any movement anytime soon. Which leads to the question of, could Lamar hold out? Or hold in, right? Hold out is what they used to do. Hold in is what they now do. Because you're not getting fined if you're there and you just say, I'm hurt, so I'm going to be on the sideline. Uh, and, And either way, it's a negotiation, right? So Todd Munkin has his introductory press conferences, the new OC with the Ravens. And he's asked about Lamar Jackson possibly holding out. Like, could you install the offense without Lamar Jackson there until right before? Here's part of Todd Monkson's press conference. I'm sure he'll be behind, but it's still just football. I mean, I think sometimes we make this out to be way too much. You know, I mean, it's just football. It's been playing, I don't know, when he started, maybe at five years old with the Purple Pounders or something in Miami or something. I mean, it's just football. We'll cater to what he knows and play. But, I mean, it's like any player, you know, if any, any, any players like that, you know, to where they'd be, the more time you spend with them, the more comfortable they get with any system that's, or relationship, that's part of it. And there's a big part of that relationship from a quarterback, coordinator, play caller, position coach, where they're comfortable and there's a trust that is a big part of that, and that's built over time. What? Now, 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 let's rewind. Uh, the NFL is different than whatever youth football he played at five years old in, in, in Southern Florida. A new coach is bringing a new offense and introducing it to a quarterback with a unique skill set that can't be mimicked by a backup. And you're telling us you aren't worried about your starter holding out until right before the season? Yeah, I mean, he'll be behind, but it's football. It's not foot. It's NFL calculus is what it is. That's like saying, uh, you know, graduate level mathematics. We're talking like goodwill hunting style. You can go win a, a Fields medal mathematics. Yeah, it's it's all adding and subtracting, isn't it? No, it's not. It's graduate level stuff here. Like, if Lamar Jackson is holding out, meaning he's not even in the facility to be in meetings, to, to learn the install, 
That is a huge problem for the Ravens if he ends up being their quarterback. If he doesn't, then it could be a blessing in disguise because you'd be preparing somebody else to be the quarterback. But but if he's going to be your quarterback and he doesn't show up till the week before the first game, problems. Take your playbook, rip out the first page, rip out the second page, rip out the, until there's like 10% of it and then say, go try to win an NFL game as if it's not a game of inches. Even if Lamar Jackson is holding in, right, which is the newfangled way to do it, which means you're there, you're in meetings, you're standing on the sideline, you're just not participating in any drills. If he's holding in, that's still a problem. Because even though he's getting the install, he is someone that can't be replicated. So you won't know what your, meaning what Todd Munkin's offense looks like with Lamar Jackson until he gets to see it with Lamar Jackson. Todd can't say that, though. Can you imagine? He's at his introductory press conference. Hey, if Lamar doesn't doesn't show up until a week before the first game, how do you feel about it? Well, that would be that would be terrible. That would be I mean, we wouldn't be able to compete. It would ruin our season. Because all Lamar would hear is leverage. All right, I'm not coming back until you give me $400 trillion because it's going to ruin your season if you don't bring me back early. Right, go full full uh, Dr. Evil with it. A billion trillion million dollars. <laughs> Todd can't say that though, right? So what does he say? Ah, we'll be fine. Nah. It's just football. It's just football. He's been playing it since Pop Warner. Right? 46 power. He knows what's up. Right? What we did, did, did every 46 was for us was half back through the six hole, right? 16 power quarterback through the six hole. 32 power full back through the two hole, baby. It was all powers for us in Pop Warner. It's the same thing, right? You, know, you, ever, you ever hear Sean Payton mic'd up where he gives 37 words for one play? That's okay. That's it's the same thing. Do you know what we called our play action? Fake 46 power. We got real, like, it's the same thing, right? The position, the, the thing I will say is, Munkin better be a little careful because the position coach is supposed to be the advocate for the player, right? The position coach or the coordinator for the quarterbacks often, they are supposed to be the one that the players are, are close with. The head coach kind of has to be detached. Second Moneyball reference of the of the uh, the show, the movie with Brad Pitt, he's teaching Jonah Hill's character how to run a team. What does he say? Don't become friends with the players because you might have to cut them. The head coach kind of has that kind of stuff, right? You can't be close. You can't know their 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 kids' names. Why? Because you might have to cut them and say, "Hey, middle of uh or trade them, right? Middle of the school year, you're going to have to up and move to Vegas. Good luck." Right, so so there's a distance there, but your position coach is supposed to be your your, your right your brother, your your foxhole guy. Munkin could have said, "I don't want to do it without Lamar." Now, the business end of it, that's John, that's Eric, but for me, I want him signed, locked up, and delivered so we can be in the facility today getting work done. You don't you don't want like you don't want especially if Lamar does hold out a little bit or hold in or whatever you want to call it. You don't want him to show up with minimal time where you want to show up, him showing up and hitting the 
hitting the ground running, right? All right, let's get ready. We're on limited time because of that situation. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's get it in. Let's get it. Let's get this installed. Let's get that installed. You need to know this. You need to know that. And then he shows up and he's like, well, first of all, we need to discuss what you said about me to the media. It's like, whoa, back it on up. Everyone in Baltimore is not meaning what they're saying about Lamar. Their actions and their words are not lining up. Todd Munkin showed up and he walked right into the company line. Lamar is not, right? He's, he's not a robot. He can sense it just like we can. Humans can figure it out. I think you're lying to me. And, and I think that's going to play a role in these negotiations. He doesn't have an agent. Remember that. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. The final rookie to discuss. It's rookie day here on quarterback week on the Tim Donnelly Show. Will Levis. I get to do one of my favorite things. Explain a theory that I've named. It's the Darren McFadden effect. The Darren McFadden effect. Boosting Will Levis. Coming up right after this right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We're talking about the NFL draft right now on the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Will Levis is the... I think most mysterious of the rookie quarterbacks. So here on quarterback week, we're going to try to peel back the curtain a little bit here. Uh, transfers into Kentucky, and almost as soon as he gets to Kentucky, he's he's automatically have all, he has all the tools to be in the NFL. Huh. Interesting. He's getting the Darren McFadden effect. I love it when when one of my theories comes comes driving through the Darren McFadden effect. Is very simple. Let me explain why it's called the Darren McFadden effect. Years ago, okay, some of some of you you youngsters might not even recall. Uh, Adrian Peterson was a monster at Oklahoma. All right, the only thing that could even like remotely tackle Adrian Peterson in college was Boise State, um, which is another reference that I hope many of you get. Shout out Jared Zabransky. Uh, Adrian Peterson was a monster. He gets drafted not first overall. He's a running back, big, strong. You know Adrian Peterson. Uh, he gets drafted seventh overall by the Vikings. The next year, everybody's going, we're not going to make that mistake again. We're not going to let this monster who showed up and immediately dominated in the NFL fall through our fingertips again. So they looked at the player that most resembled Adrian Peterson. Not, I mean, there's not two Adrian Petersons out there. They just looked for the one that most resembled him, right? And way overdrafted him. And guess who that was? Darren McFadden goes to the Raiders. He just was a tall, fast running back, but he didn't have the things that made Adrian Peterson completely special, right? The He didn't have the production. He didn't have the wiggle. He didn't have the run through arm tackles. He was very good, don't get me wrong. And actually, I believe he even had a 1,000-yard season, but he wasn't Adrian Peterson. He just benefited from the Darren McFadden effect. He was the closest thing to, so he got overdrafted. Will Levis is going to be propped up by the Darren McFadden effect. He looks similar to a few prospects that have worked out really, really well in the recent past in the NFL, and there's GMs all across the league saying, I will not make that mistake again. Josh Allen did not have wild stats in college, but he looked the part, 
and he had arm strength. Justin Herbert did not have wild stats in college, but he looked the part and he had arm strength. Neither of those guys were taken as the first quarterback in their draft. Matter of fact, they were taken third. Will Levis does not have a lot of wild stats in college, but he looks the part and he has arm strength. And there's going to be people out there going, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, I probably should have caught on by then. Fool me three times, it's not going to happen. Mel Kuyper on first take about Will Levis. You got to forget this year, he was banged up. He was beat up, played behind a horrible offensive line. Uh, go back to 2021 when he had some help. He had Luke Fortner anchoring that offensive line. He did a heck of a, jag- a job with the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. Darian Kennard was there as well on that O-line. Uh, he had Wondell Robinson, who was now a New York Giant, catching the football. So Will Levis, to me, is the guy who may not be the first quarterback taken, but will be the best quarterback out of this draft. And we've seen that over the years. Guys that are the best quarterbacks aren't always the first or even the second quarterback taken in the first round that particular year. I'm not sure the the whole throw out this year thing is fair, right? That's that's kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, right? If you take out his worst games, he's a very good quarterback. But I, I looked at it, right? Because I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's do this little thought experiment by, by Mel Kuyper. Uh, last year, he had 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, like this most recent year. 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He said, throw that out, right? That he was banged up. The, the, the people around him weren't as good. He was playing in a tough conference. Fine. The previous year, he had 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That's, that's a worse touchdown to interception ratio. Not much worse, but it's still worse. Like, like what? The guy, like if your argument is at some point in time he had elite statistics, it's just that's not a good argument. What you're arguing is you don't have to have elite statistics if you have his physical profile. Right? Your, your, your argument can't be this guy is Joe Burrow playing on a worse team because Joe Burrow, the thing he had was the most productive college football season in the history of college football. If your argument is he's he's Josh Allen, then your argument is throw the statistics out completely. He's tall, he's broad, and he throws with a laser rocket arm. Everything else is irrelevant which for most of my life was, you can't say everything else is irrelevant, but then these couple of guys showed up and it turns out everything else was irrelevant. It didn't matter. It didn't hold them back. And the NFL went, ah, you fooled me. So right now, Will Levis, like his agent, the pitch when he's talking to teams is, you don't want to make them the same mistake again, do you? You let college statistics keep you from having Josh Allen. You let college statistics keep you from having Justin Herbert. Right, so, so you don't want to let that happen again. Let's not even watch the film. Let's just watch Pro Day. He looks good in shorts and a t-shirt, doesn't he? Look at this. He's going he's gonna to roll to his left, and he's going to throw it 70 yards across body to, a, to a, a go on the right side of the field. Why? No clue. That throw is never available at any level of football. But on Pro Days, it sure gets chucked out there. Go watch Zach Wilson's Pro Day. I mean, seriously, you can find the highlights out there. He he rolled to his left, he flipped his hips, and he threw a beauty across his body all the way down the field. Turns out they should have been asking him to throw like five-yard ins. Right? They should have been asking him to throw curls and hitches and, and slants on time, on rhythm. 
Will Levis is going to be driven up draft boards by the simple fact of if you close one eye and squint with the other, he looks a bit like Justin Herbert. He should be growing his hair out right now is what he should be doing. That or, I don't know know how you can like costume up as Josh Allen. Just be be big. I don't go to go to a cold weather area and chuck it around a little bit. I don't know, but but he should be he should be leaning into it. He should be saying, "You draft me because of my arm, and and we'll work together to figure out the rest." Worked for those guys, Darren McFadden effect. You don't want to be the one to miss out on Adrian Peterson, do you? Then teams are going to look at him and go, "All right, explain that," and you'll be like, "Listen, it's it's it's, it's a thing. Trust me." Philip Rivers conundrum, the Darren McFadden effect. You know what? You you know all this stuff. They're all from the Tim Donnelly Show. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We're going to take a break. When we come back, it, now that the, the Suns have Kevin Durant, and he's likely going to be playing coming on the other side of the All-Star break, is it championship or bust for the Suns? That's the question being asked everywhere else. I'm going to ask this. How in the world is that a question? Of course it's championship or bust. Stick around. We're talking about the NBA right now on the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Fellas behind the glass, we have a winner, correct? We have given away the Australian Pink Floyd show tickets. So, uh, sorry if you didn't win, but if you did win, congratulations. Um, the Suns are championship or bust. I can't believe this is a question. There's the, the every sports media, like every NBA analyst out there is out there. Are they, is, is it championship or bust for the Suns at the deadline? At the trade deadline, they acquired Kevin Durant and TJ Warren from the Nets for Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, and four unprotected first-round picks. Do you think they gave all of that up to be like a second-round playoff team? That is a wild amount of pressure to win a championship. It is championship or bust. Ironically, the one with all of the... uh, Ironically, the one with the common sense is, is Gilbert Arenas. He was on the No Chill podcast. Here's what he had to say about the pressure on KD. You know, you have two guys that's capable of 50, 60, 70, right? No. Both players, you can't actually play one-on-one, right? They will eat you alive, so you have to scheme for them. They were having trouble scheming just for Devin Booker himself. Now you just added arguably the best score in today's game right now. Right? When you come out just pure, just scoring to that roster. Then you have the best assist ratio, turnover ratio guard in NBA history in Chris Paul. Which means if they don't win, this would be the biggest failure for, for Kevin Durant. The biggest failure for Kevin Durant. I agree, Gil. That's why you play, though. You play for high stakes. You don't sit down at the table with, with like, nickel bet minimums to get your juices flowing. You go to the high roller table. And by the way, I don't do that because I'm not a high roller. But I imagine if you're Kevin Durant, that's what you would have to do. Right? 
Chris Paul is 37 years old. Kevin Durant is 34 years old. And by the way, Durant's listed at 6'10". He's a seven-footer. So let's let's call 37 at, at undersized guard and 34 at seven-footer about the same age in their career. There is no guarantee either of them will be dependable beyond this year. So it is championship or bust. It is championship or be a laughing stock every single year the Nets have your draft pick. If you get a championship, it's like, so? Yeah, go ahead. Draft with our our, our draft picks, our unprotected picks that we gave you. While you're doing that, we're going to stare at this big shiny trophy they gave us when we won a championship. If you don't win the championship, it's going to be, yeah, draft with our draft picks and we're going to sit and cry in the corner about what could have been for us. The Suns are championship or bust. The Suns are championship or embarrassment. The, the Suns are championship or the biggest failure of each of their careers. That's what it is. And there's not much time for the, the main characters for a redemption story. Obviously, like, you know, Aiton or, or Devin Booker, they could go win three in their 30s and it would be everyone would forget about this but for Durant for for Chris Paul you're you're in the final stages of stamping your legacies it is championship or bust for the Suns and do you know what might be the the best thing about super teams and I don't necessarily love super teams I actually I would rather have the opposite and when everyone says like oh the excitement of of super teams is because the good players are going to be in the the NBA finals every year I look at him and go were we like lacking for good players in the finals in the 90s but neither here nor there the 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 best part not again it's all relative right the silver lining of the super teams is that any given year there's like three or four teams that are championship or bust which just makes the desperation so much more real right you know there are three or four teams every year that are going to lose in the playoffs and their world is going to come crashing down like this year if the suns don't win it's catastrophe but also if the clippers don't win it continues to be a catastrophe but also if the mavericks don't win it's a catastrophe because Kyrie's going to be a free agent. There are like multiple teams out there that if they don't win, it becomes really, really bad. And that just ups the stakes. I like games with high stakes. I like games where there's a minute left and it's a close game. And both teams are not just playing for the win. They're playing for embarrassment if they lose. They're playing for ca- catastrophic failure if they lose. The Suns being championship or bust just means at some point in time, they're going to run into a a really, really good player in the West, whether it be Giannis, whether it be Jokic, whether it be the Mavs, whether it be any of these teams. And it's going to be, we have to beat this, this very good player or else it is a bust of a season and we just wasted the biggest move we could possibly make at the trade deadline. And the only way we can save this is if our 38-year-old undersized guard and our 35-year-old for next year, seven-footer, can hold up and be dependable and, and help us get back to this situation again. And there are no guarantees that that will happen. None whatsoever. So yes, the Suns are championship or bust. And if you ask the question, you're not paying attention. Are the Suns championship? That that tells me uh, uh, 
like you don't understand how all of this works, right? The Brooklyn Nets, when they traded for Kevin Garnett and and Paul Pierce, and they already had Darren Williams, they already had Lopez, and they already had Joe Johnson, they were championship or bust. They busted, and we still make fun of that super team. The Brooklyn Nets, KD, Kyrie, and Harden, they were championship or bust, and they busted, and we still make fun of that super team. They were together like a couple months ago. But still, you get what I'm saying. If you assemble a bunch of big-time stars and you put them on the same team and it doesn't work, it's a bust. It's a failure. It just is what it is. Like, no one is going to look back on this Suns core and be like, yeah, but they did make it to three consecutive Western Conference Finals. Like, that's not enough. They did make it to a Finals where they ran into the Celtics who mopped the floor with them. Mm, Not enough. I'm not picking the Celtics. I'm just saying that that would be one of the potential outcomes. They're number one right now. You put these teams together for one reason, to win a championship. We're all unaware of that. Like, you don't give up four unprotected firsts, two solid young players, and a very uh, uh, malcontent veteran player for a, a slight upgrade. You do that to win a championship. Kind of makes me want to root against them a little bit. I do want Chris Paul to get a championship, but I don't want like that to be rewarded. So I think I'm against him. I think I'm against him. Let's go to the call in line. Zach in Chesapeake has some super team conversation. Uh, let's go ahead and, and get this out of the way. Zach, thanks for calling in. By the way, the call in line, 757-687-9494. Zach, what do you got? Hey, Tim, big fan of the show, man. Listen all the time. Um, you constantly say there were no super teams in the 90s, but that's simply not true, man. If you're telling me Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, and Dennis Rodman isn't a super team, find me one more super. It, it's, I mean, no, 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 no. You misinterpreted what, what I think a super team is. Super team is when the players force friendships to come together on one team. If it's homegrown, it's homegrown. Dennis Rodman wasn't homegrown. He left Detroit to go to Chicago. That was their biggest rival. Michael Jordan never beat Detroit until Dennis Rodman. Appreciate the call. Um, little, little, little factually inaccurate there. There was two years in San Antonio where he absolutely wet the bed between Detroit and Chicago. Chicago brought him in as a reclamation project. Uh, but no, Chicago was not a super team. It was Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, homegrown. And yeah, I mean, you can't have every player on the team drafted and developed. That's, that's a little ridiculous. Like, I don't consider the, the Warriors as they stand right now a super team. Andrew Wiggins was a big part of their their NBA championship run last year. He's not homegrown. But when you have Steph and Clay and Dre, and they are all homegrown, I don't consider them a, a super team in, in the way like you derogatorily say it. They're super, and if you're just using super as like a positive adjective, super as a, synony- a synonym of magnificent, they are a super team. They're just not a super team. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Thank you for the call, though, Zach. Call back in anytime, 757-687-9494. It's time to spin the wheel. It's time to put the rookies in their place, meaning take the rookie quarterbacks, put them on a team. We let the quarterback wheel of destiny decide. Coming up next.